0: is a download from BFM 89.9 the business station 835 you're listening to the morning run I'm Julian Ng and Kusu Chong is with me we're looking at the day's biggest news we had the 1MDB scandal and now we're going to have the MRB scandal where, in a nutshell, the MOF under the previous government bought land on the cheap from the Malaysian Rubber Board and then flipped that to the EPF and in the process profiting to the tune of about 800 million bucks. Was the MRB duped? Is this a right hand, left hand transaction? Did EPF buy at a fair price? Does the MOF still have the 800 million ringgit or is it in somebody's
1: pockets? Sounds like an Alfred Hitchcock novel (laughs) (laughs) that we can write straight away. That's Malaysia's story isn't it um in answer to one of your questions um the malaysia rubber board chairman sankara naya uh, said the transaction begs the question so basically this is his quote okay jules okay please do go (laughs) ahead basically mrb was ordered to sell no questions to be asked ordered to sell okay ordered to sell there was a lack of information we were arbitrarily told here's 1.5 billion ringgit your land is sold and that's it and they walked away with it close quote Okay, Fantastic. so the
0: mystery deepens. Uh, the but mystery you know, the, we were we were doing some very rough calculations earlier, Chuang, and uh, the set prices resulted in there about uh, twelve ringgit to eighteen ringgit. Uh, twelve ringgit uh, sold uh, was the MRB price, right, per square foot, and then eighteen ringgit was the EPF price. Uh, Actually, it's
1: slightly under nineteen.
0: Okay. Yeah slightly under uh, per square foot, right? All this are on a per Per square foot basis. Uh, This seemed to be uh, a lot cheaper than... market transactions uh, around that time Uh, but you know of course it's fair to say that uh, these are notoriously hard data to get Uh, raw land prices not easy to get Uh,
1: but you know some some of the prices that we have are a lot more expensive chuang well mammoth empire bought a 41 acre site and 17 acre site about same period 2010 2011 they bought that for about 55 bucks per square foot um, between 40 to 55 bucks per square foot. But, you know, again, it's also the size of the plot because if you're going to buy 40 to 50 acres, that's a lot more palatable to many Smaller. buyers yeah. than someone who's going to buy 2,800 acres. And the only people with money that amount of funds of that quantum are the large pension funds and the large retirement funds. And, um, of course, EPF was very quick to respond by saying that they conducted all their requisite due diligence and corporate governance checks, and uh, it was done at a proper at a proper arm's level arm 's length on yep. uh, nineteen bucks per square foot doesn 't seem like a huge stretch, but um really you know th- the, the biggest victim in this particular case would be the Malaysia rubber board. I don't know who owns the Malaysia rubber board. Probably the government of Malaysia, probably the people of Malaysia. Um, they could have sold their land for a lot higher. Uh, they could have booked an 800 million ringgit additional profit. They didn't. Instead, the land, that land that money ended up in the finance ministry's coffers. What did the finance ministry do with that money? I don't know. What we do know for a fact and certainty at the time, the finance ministry was led by the finance minister, none other than Najib Razak. Yep, correct. Uh,
0: the very same man uh, was the prime minister as well, who is in the for- forefront of the 1MDB scandal as well. Um, I, I think that uh, the, I mean, the, the biggest issue for me is whether there was exactly an 800 million ringgit hole right now in the MOF and where did that go, right? Because if the... Um, Uh, Malaysian Rubber Board is under the Malaysian government as well, and the MOF is under the Malaysian government, uh, then uh, that is a left-hand to right-hand transactions. Then it's just bickering among siblings, right? It's just like that. Um, And of course, EPF would be a casualty as well. If they bought at higher pricing, then it would affect pricing of the project, uh, which is supposed to be on affordable housing. Uh, But still, it doesn't seem like a fast stretch to say that EPF might have bought it at uh, a fairish, price but
1: uh we we don't exactly yeah by and large because when you look at the member empire thanks a lot jules is that the former prime minister just joking (laughs) just joking (laughs) Um, it's not joe though definitely but what we do know is that the matter has been forwarded to the auditor general actually that matter the whole file has been sent to the auditor general november 28th that's about a month and about a month and about six weeks ago five weeks ago for further deliberation so that's the next step what does the auditor general do with this information and what will be the steps to be taken. Okay, from uh, Theresa Cox's
0: expose, we move on to uh, Finance Minister Lim Guan-ing, who is uh, clarifying that the government had not profited from the retail petrol pump prices that was imposed on uh, Ron95 or diesel. Uh, and he was answering to allegations that ha- the government had been taxing petrol and he's saying that this is false and baseless. Uh, the government has spent almost five billion ringgit to finance subsidies for Ron95.
1: And diesel. So um, apparently, according to good, the good Saudara Lim Guaneng, the government spends between four, well, about four point nine billion ringgit. To fuel uh, to subsidize the cost of fuel to Malaysians between January and November 2018, we have yet to receive the December numbers, so that number could be a, lot, a little bit higher. Um, but what we do know is, of course, in November December, oil prices started to nosedive, and um, the government of Malaysia only spent about four million ringgit or so to subsidize petrol or fuel in November December. Probably around about four that's million nothing. is nothing. Between right? friends, that ain't a lot. Nothing compared to a billion
0: ringgit or forty two billion ringgit. That's absolutely nothing, or even oh, you know, one trillion. Oh, trillion, trillion debt, right? Debt, yeah, yeah. So just just to put things in perspective, um, there is a 800 million hole apparently uh, in the Mof uh, if if this mrb case is true, uh, and then recently one billion bucks uh, was. Uh, being spent or or, or rather being earmarked for repayment to toll operators for the toll freeze. Now, I just want to put things in perspective because our budget as a whole is there about 300 billion ringgit. And uh, we retired the GST, uh, which raised about 40 billion ringgit in the past uh, to be replaced by 20 billion uh, raising SST. So there's a 20 billion a hole in the finances, right, uh, with, with the GST. So the question is whether there is an easier way to do all this, like uh, to push money here and there. Uh, really, the the easiest way to do this, I think, is uh, to fulfill a governmental role of tax collection, whether it's from corporations or individuals or even uh, direct taxes, like uh, consumption taxes and custom duties, collect all of that and decide where whether you want to give back this money to uh, the more unfortunate members of society in the form of brim, let's say, just just to avoid uh, things like petrol subsidies and uh, toll freezes and so on because uh, it's, it's really messy to administer those things
1: yeah i mean there's a huge uh, advantage to be said for uh, what is what is essentially helicopter money because there is no ad- more advantageous a tool to have when in times of financial distress than pure hard gold cash right correct you you
0: become your own household uh, finance minister right rather than to have a finance minister
1: on top of you saying that you should spend on this and that so then the question of mechanics enters the equation, Jules. Who do you give it to and how do you make sure that they're going to be spending it appropriately? That is why there are certain cards like the Maikase, which only give you a, a certain credit per month. And it's only given to the women of the family, right? For example, because typically, by and large, if you give it to the man, he'll be spending it on cigarettes and alcohol. Not, not or necessarily. Not, I mean, that's the usual stereotype, right? That's, that's the usual yes, stereotype, correct. right? Correct. But it's, it's, uh, so it's what, isolated. Those cases saying, are isolated. What I'm saying is the administration of that policy. All policies had to be – I don't think any policymaker knows for on a finite basis the exact nth degree of that particular policy. So in a way, the government of the day – and I'm not defending – some people must say I'm an apologist. But you know, they're, they're trying to make do uh, – what is it? Nine months into the job? Eight months into the job? Right? I don't know. It's, it's not, it's yeah, not but, easy. Yeah,
0: uh, but but yeah, obviously it's not easy. But uh, why not make things make things easier, right? Uh, that that's the question that's being asked right now, um, and and I think these all these exposes are good. Uh, but hopefully, moving forward, we will be able to see uh, cleverer ways of financial management uh, to uh, for the country, if anything, just to plug uh, leakages and loopholes out of this.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of trivia for you, Jules. Um, in October, the government spent nearly, well, 961 million ringgits on fuel subsidies. And then in November, just uh, 213. Actually, that 4 million was only for raw 95. Diesel remained stubbornly high. We still paid two hundred and for million ringgit. For that's right.
0: Uh, so some other bit of trivia as well. I think uh, in the past years, uh, some reports would uh, put the brim spending at about seven billion ringgit for the country. Um, I think not a lot of money uh, putting into context. Uh, if if you if you really uh, feel that this money is going to the right people, right, the B forty group of people, that that's uh, that's okay. I th- I think if you continue with that kind of policy of putting money directly into people's pockets, it would avoid. Things like uh, trying to see which car can use uh, cheaper petrol at the pump, right? It's, it's, it's very messy to, uh, to do that kind of thing. And now, I don't know whether you guys uh, and Chong, whether you have shopped in Mr. DIY before, but a Bloomberg report is saying that Mr. DIY is exploring an IPO that could raise about 2 billion ringgit and that could value Mr. DIY at 10 billion ringgit after it's listed.
1: Okay, so according to the news reports, there's over 500 outlets throughout Malaysia of Mr. DIY, hiring more than 4,000 people, serves over 78 million customers annually in the region. So that does that mean they've got some e-commerce going or some... Other outlets in the region, I don't know. Um, according to customers, according to customers, according to sources, the newspapers, company has been interviewing potential underwriters and aiming for a market value of about 10 billion ringgit. Now, of course, Mr. DIY is backed by Credor, a private equity firm, and could list as soon as the end of the year. Now, of course, Credor um, is run by a guy called Bramal Vasudevan. I think he was cited in the stories uh, as having been the spokesperson behind this. And uh, they only going to consider listing their domestic operations in the list. So if it is true, Mr DIY will join other private equity-backed firms in seeking the list in Malaysia like QSR Brands, which was backed at the time by CVC Capital Partners, and Leonghap International that was owned at the time, part-owned by Affinity Equity Partners.
0: So these are all uh, the so-called private equity or PE firms, uh, which are like the legal flippers. Like, you know, the, when they flip things, right? <laughs> that, that's legal, right? They buy things on the cheap and then they flip it. Uh, they make uh, huge amounts of money out of it. Uh, as opposed
1: to Asset Tanah National, which the SPV. So what, was, what, uh, what they
0: do is they, they really go in very early uh, because the company would have need uh, in the earlier uh, part of their operations and they seek out uh, PE firms who are, uh, I don't know where they get their money. They have uh, loads of money to spare, right? So Investors, they, they, investors. They, they give this money to these uh, uh, supposedly very high quality business operations uh, and then they get, the, the valuation of those companies at a much lower valuation, and when they list at something like uh, around the value of 10 billion ringgit, they make a, this a killing, firms, a killing, killing, a total killing out Typical
1: of it. Typical modus operandi come in, um, strip it down to its bare bones, cost management is the official word for it, and then uh, even toilet paper. I think there's a ration on them sometimes, it's rubbish certain, as well, and right? total Examples, but yeah. people have been told. And then they try and spin it out within typically three years. Yeah. So that's but it's not legit. This, that's this not all legit. This is all
0: legit, right? It's not like. Stealing, siphoning forty-two billion bucks out of the country, or eight hundred yeah. million or one billion here and there. Yeah. Now, um, another company is going for IPO as well. Kim Hinju. Now, you might not have heard of Kim Hinju, but I'm sure you've heard of Mother Mothercare. Uh, Kim Hinju actually retails that brand and going to list on the
1: Ace Market of Bursa Malaysia. So, Kim Hinju has sixteen Mothercare outlets, and they also own this other brand called E L T Sis. I'm not sure what that stands for because I'm not a mother uh, yet. Uh, Eleven of <sighs> those outlets <laughs> in the even yet? <laughs> What even yet? Just joking, just joking. I've seen Arnold Schwarzenegger no, I, movies. I, I know
0: you're expressing the feminine side of the sell where sometimes you're the sterner father and then uh, you, you, you kind of like...
1: Maternal role. Exactly, just, just yes. To I understand kids, what you mean. Yeah, just to keep the kids, you know, uh, on, on tune. Please go on. Yes. So they are uh, trying to list their shares on the ace market. Now, I'm wondering if both Bramal and Kim Hinju are trying to list their companies on the books of Malaysia. How many listings were there in Malaysia last year? Not a lot. Not a lot. How you many could of those? probably count them in one hand. Maybe two, yeah. right? And how many of those did well in 2018? Probably not a lot as well. <laughs> the um, entire market did not do well in 2018. <laughs> so I saw this headline yesterday, Joe, in the edge, right? Malaysia's KLCI, fifth best performer in the region, fifth best best performer in the region, right? And guess what? We only dropped 5.9%. Correct. Wow, okay. so We didn't make that up. That did
0: not come from the Tuppy (laughs) Times or the Onion. Uh, That's an actual headline.
1: That's that's an actual headline, right? So if both Mothercare and Mr. DIY are trying to list their shares next year or rather this year, do they know something that we don't? Because... As we understand it, the risk, risky markets, the current capital markets are in a world of pain. Well, you know me, Chuang. I'm, I'm
0: a passive investor, so I, I just buy a, the whole world. But here, here's a question, right? Which is a more stable business? Is it home improvement that, uh, Mr. DIY is in or is it? In the maternity business that a mother carries in, as an investor, um, during these turbulent times, you might want to buy into more stable businesses.
1: Yeah, typically you would go domestic, wouldn't you? Um, Small internal markets that are, uh, unbuffeted by global turmoil. But it looks like, um, um, you know, Mr. DIY
0: is a very much more aggressive business because they're just opening stores left, right and centre, right? Just, just like Starbucks, right? Your neighbourhood, Mr. DIY, you pop in there, get some quick, cheap electrical stuff and get out of there. Yeah, expand that, your... Exp- that, that, that has like, it, it's like more high risk, high returns, you know, but Mother Care...
1: I, I don't see a lot of them, uh, yeah. m- maybe in malls. Well, once you expand and you expand your way out of trouble, you get economists of scale, you can buy much more stuff at a lower price, and then you can help, you know, each successful stores can help poor stores, and you you can you can shuffle your cards that way. I'll tell you what is um, not uh, a domestic business, though. Apple, right? Apple... Everybody's had, favorite subject. Everybody's favorite subject. i tell you what, Apple, right, on a year-to-date basis, they've really dropped something like about... Um, what is that? Nine point nine percent. They've lost incredible amounts of market value, and I'll tell you who'll be crying into his Coca Cola. Warren <laughs> Buffett, okay, because Warren Buffett, after Vanguard and BlackRock, is the third biggest owner of Apple stock, and he's basically he's lost about thirty-six billion dollars of um, Berkshire asset value, which is nothing, which is nothing for him, of course. Um, but um, it's crazy, it's crazy, and he's he was famously on record as saying that he would love to buy more Apple stock if it went down. I wonder whether Mr. Buffett is buying Maybe now. he's
0: making his moves now. Um, Maybe. And, and uh, WB is a very long-term investor. He's just like the house. He buys and holds like forever, right? So, um, you know, this this is a nod to all those people who encourage you to become like Warren Buffett. Actually, it's not so easy because simply because you just don't have a hundred billion bucks to become the house and buying and own anything, you can't really invest like Warren Buffett. And just to note as well, I think over the last Ten years, Warren Buffett has actually underperformed the market because he's underweighted on tech, and tech is where the action has been over the last ten years. And and now maybe he he will come back to the forefront uh, with uh, market market beating returns again.
1: Well, I tell you what, um, Warren Buffett doesn't know a lot about tech. He's actually made. You know, he's made several missteps along the way. He famously bought into IBM, which then tanked. And then now he's bought into Apple, which is not tanked, but it's, it's come off a long way. It used to be the most valuable stock in the world, $1.1 trillion in market cap right now. $1.1 app, trillion? $1.1 $1 trillion, yes. And then now Apple is basically valued at six hundred and seventy-five billion. billion, wow. most valuable. Microsoft is the most valuable. Yep, and I, I'm sure
0: the Apple woes also is going to affect, as they have uh, some of the Malaysian-related stocks uh, in the uh, tech ecosystem, Inari, Amiton, Globetronics, uh, custom Ministry vitrox uh, this has all been dragged out under bursa malaysia maybe warren buffett uh, can take a look at these stocks as well help out the local sector a bit
1: yeah and inari we'll be talking about that at nine o'clock but basically inari do a lot of testing and assembly uh, they do a lot of rf id chips um, for apple and their stock on a year-to-date basis which is basically essentially one day Uh, Inari is down 15.3% on the year-to-date basis. Incredible amounts of market value lost as well.
0: So, uh, Chang, you also noted that earlier on uh, Microsoft has overtaken Apple,
1: right, as uh, more valuable than Apple. $753 billion is uh, Microsoft's market value. But they're also down 4.1% on a year-to-date basis. I think the tech stocks are basically leading a lot of the crumbling that's been happening on the share markets
0: yeah that's right um we'll we'll be back with uh, more news and we'll be looking into uh, what's happening at Bursa Malaysia shortly after the nine am news so stay tuned bfm eighty nine point nine Thank you for listening to this podcast to find more great
1: interviews go to bfm or find us on itunes bfm eighty nine point nine the business station.